It is good to see you here this morning. If you will give me your attention. Uh, we have enough announcements. I think it'll last longer than the sermon this morning, so if y'all will give me your attention. Uh, Bible drill. We're going to start back tonight. I believe that's for grades 1 through 6. There's also another for the younger ones as well. Uh, we will start off with a, a light meal at 545. So, uh, Thank you. 
It's good to see you this morning. If you're listening for the first time, you don't know who I am. I'm Brother Chris Griffey, and I've been out of pocket for a while since I've had an aneurysm back in June. But today is uh, going to be the first Sunday back in the pulpit. I'm going to try to go for the, the morning service, but my legs just aren't strong enough yet to go so far in the morning service. So I encourage you to come back tonight. But it's good to see you. If you're you know, visiting with us, we want to say a word of welcome. And uh, what we do is we stand and we love to greet you. Hope you know, shake your hand, and when you get a chance to do all of that, we'll send you folks to the forward to get
I don't need to trip it up here that the somebody was out too. This morning I want to speak to you about giving. Nobody besides everybody does. But today we set aside the day is harvest day. As long as I can remember, people in the church, the church always had a time set aside in the fall to receive a harvest offering. It originally started as a way as a way of means of helping the church foundation build Twitter bonds. It was always designated in the fall because it was always a difficult time to farmers for a large support box and stuff, and that way they would have Back in the longest time ago, it wasn't always just a financial way that they helped, but obviously it was a way of the crop that they had harvested or whatever. I know it helps time to talk about that money. Nobody wants to hear a sermon about money. Nobody really wants to ask and pray about something like giving. But did you know that one sixth of the Gospels and one third of the parables that Jesus taught dealt with the subject of stewardship and giving? Did you also know that according to church statistics, that only between 10 and 25 percent of Christians receive a tithe today? I thought that was kind of amazing. This morning I want to talk to you this morning about giving. I want you to look at, if you have a Bible this morning, look at or with you, uh, look with me in Mark chapter 12, verses 41 through 42. Very familiar scripture, I know. You've heard it, you've probably read it, you've probably read it many times, so you don't need to do this. This is what it says. It said, Now Jesus sat opposite the treasure and saw how the people put money into the treasure, and many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites to make a parcel. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Surely I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she put in out of her poverty, took in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Two things I want you to see this morning in this particular verse of Scripture. The first thing I want you to see is that Jesus saw what was put into the treasury. And two, Jesus knew who had put into the treasury. Now, it, it says that Jesus sat opposite of the treasury and that he could see what was being put into the treasury, and he could also probably see the amount that was put into the treasury. Now, how did he know they were rich unless he went by the amount of money that was placed in the treasury, or was it by the way that they came addressed? They came to the treasury and gave to the synagogue to give them. I also believe that what Jesus saw was the hearts of those that gave into the treasury that day. Did the widow woman actually come? dressed as a widow woman, or did she come dressed as any other woman would have come? I actually think what happened there was that Jesus saw what was in her heart when she came to give to the treasury that day. You see, I, I think Jesus sees the attitude that we have when it comes to giving. Did you know that actually giving is a part of the work of service? Did, did you realize that when you gave this morning, you're 
giving and blessing back to God as to what He has blessed you we, we don't give in order to get them. There's a mentality out there today that says that if we give a certain amount, then we can expect God to give back to us. That's not the attitude that we give. We give in response to the fact that God has given unto us and has blessed us. I take that opportunity this morning to talk about giving for just a few minutes, but I also want to take the opportunity also to talk about the fact of tithing. Now, I know you'll not find the word tithing in the New Testament. You'll find the word tithing mentioned in the Old Testament. But I do believe that there is scripture that is given to us today that will re- also reiterate the concept of giving and of tithing. Luke chapter 6 and verse 13, Jesus said to them, He says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, with men given to your bosom. For with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. So I don't think that we only it only means particularly money. I think it also means the fact of the matter that we give back to Jesus also of our time and of our talents. Someone said, you know what, I don't know all about time. Someone also said, well, you want to have your talents to be used. God's given you more to share your talents. I hear people who say, well, I'm not talented enough. People say, well, you know, you, you got too much. You, you can preach, you can get your car, you can get your cars. And the only thing I look at it like that is, I require a whole lot more out of it. Just because of the fact that now that God's blessed me in that way, that God has blessed you also, take those things and use those things to bless others in how God has blessed you. Today we're talking about a harvest. We're talking about a harvest offering today, but we're talking about harvest in itself. But you know what you have to do in order to have a harvest? You have to plant something first. The farmers will agree with me that you don't have harvests unless you plant something. You don't, you don't go out in the field with your tractors and stuff with no seed and go out there and fill up the ground and then you think, well, hopefully something will come up. You have to put that seed in the ground. You have to cultivate it. You have to do all those things in order to look forward to the harvest that God will give. There are three laws, though, to a harvest, and when we're talking this morning about sowing and reaping, and I think it, it is difficult to talk about this because you know what makes it difficult about Because I, I, have, I have found in my business, folks can be real nice and happy with you until you get into the water. And, and when you get to the point to where it's having to come, something's having to come out of their pocket, it, they, they, sometimes they can change 180 degrees of it. They don't like taking that money out of that pocket. And we as Christians, we know that it's not ours to come up to begin with. It belongs to God. The three things that you will see that's in the, in the rule and in the law of harvesting, of sowing and reaping is this. You will always reap what you sow. You will always reap later than you sow. And you will always reap more than you sow. The purpose of tithing was not for any other thing other than God wants us to be obedient unto Him. Does God need your money? No. But God does expect your obedience. That's something this morning. We go back as far as the Old Testament. We go back as far as even back in the book of Genesis where it says that. God was, was looking for a sacrifice. And Abel came and offered of his sacrifice on God. Cain came and offered his sacrifice on God. Now, for a long time, I wonder, well, why in the world did God not accept Cain's sacrifice? Until I read a little bit deeper into it. Abel came and offered of the first of his flock, which was what God required. Cain didn't offer of the first of what he gave unto God. He came and he gave God that which he had. God asks of us to give the best that we have. Now, people will argue with you that the fact that comes when it comes to tithing, do you tithe off of the gross amount that you make, or do you tithe off of the amount you bring home? The answer to that question is yes. You do what God has instructed you in your heart to do when it comes to giving to the purpose of God and to His kingdom. 
wrote this whole story this past week about a church in the deep south. And the preacher was really getting into his service and really getting into his message. And the preacher was reaching toward the end of his message. He said, this church is like the triple down. It has to get up and walk. And the congregation responded, that's right, Reverend. Let it walk. And he added, he said, this church is like Elijah on Mount Carmel. It has got to get up and run. Which the church responded, run, preacher, let it run. This church is like uh, manning up on wings of eagles, and it's got to fly. And the church responded, well, let it fly, preacher, let it fly. Then they said, if this church is going to fly, it's going to take money. To which they responded, let it ride, preacher, let it ride. I also read this story this past week of a man who had come to his pastor, and he was discussing with him the fact that tithing is giving in the church. He told the preacher, he says, Really, preacher, I really want to pay my tithe. And, and when I was only making $50 a week, I, I, I had no problem paying this tithe back. He says, and when I got to the point I was making $500 a week, he says, I, I paid my $50 to, to the church. But now I'm making $5,000 a week, and I just can't bring myself to pay $500 in tithe. Which the preacher's response was, well, brother, let's just pray about this. The preacher began by saying, dear God, Please make this man's salary five hundred dollars so he can pay fifty dollars in tithes when it comes in. Why does it seem like it is so difficult for us to give back to God that which is already His? You know, we don't realize how blessed we are today to live in the not only just to live in the country that we live in, but the freedoms that we have to be able to come and worship God freely. Look what he charges us to come into the world. Our class just started thinking about this. Our class sends out a lot of cards to people. People that have been sick or they've been COVID overwhelming symptoms. And we would collect money sometimes to go to some of the homeless programs. And for this postage stamp to make a postage and information, stupid amount of money out there to buy something. But they used to always tease and say, well, I guess apparently we're having to pay to get out of the Sunday school class this morning. We weren't having to pay to get out of the Sunday school class. But Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 9, he talks about this sowing and this sowing. He says, Do not be deceived. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 6 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For if he sows to the flesh, he will reap the reap of the flesh correction. But he who sows to the Spirit of the Spirit will reap everlasting life. Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we but lose heart. Here's the this particular principle, I believe, can be applied to all of our lives. It's not just the fact that it's sowing into the kingdom of God, but sowing into our lives. Sowing into our faith, sowing into our families, sowing into our finances, sowing into our marriages, into our business, into our health, will bring forth the spiritual life. Paul says that we are doing either one of two things. We are either sowing to the flesh or we are sowing to the spirit. So how do you sow toward the flesh? There's a lot of ways that you can sow toward the flesh. Holding a grudge, entertaining pure thoughts, wallowing in self-pity, abusing your body with drugs and alcohol. But he also says that we can sow to the Spirit. So how do we sow to the Spirit? First off, and first and most off, we sow to the Spirit when we, we take ourselves and we meditate and we study in God's Word. Jesus himself said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will never pass away. We sow good when we're keeping it in the company, the good company that we keep, the things that we pursue. There is a payday coming someday. And it all depends on how we're sowing to it. What we're putting into it. What we are putting into the kingdom of God. I hope we never get to the point where we think that if I can outwardly and regularly give to the work of the kingdom of God, whatever it is that God is doing. One time I thought about it this morning when I was standing there. Ralph says, you know, the, the announcements are going to last longer than the sermon this morning. And I'm like, well, there's a lot of announcements, but you know what the point is? And I, I think it's God's point. I thank God we got a bunch of announcements. 
But you got to recognize that there is a church that rules that. There is a church that grows. There is a church that does things go on. There is a God's move in different areas. He's doing different things. We could be in a church that we had one answer this morning. God's not doing nothing. But God's working. God's doing things. And why is God doing things? Because somebody sold into the ministry. Somebody gave to the work of God. And they may never have even got to see the harvest of this ministry. There's another harvest that's also talked about in the Bible that Jesus talks about himself. He told his disciples, he says, I want you to look up and cast your eyes upon the field because they're right unto the harvest. But he also said that there were very few laborers who would get there to the harvest. What kind of harvest did Jesus talk about? Jesus is talking about the harvest of souls. He's talking about those that need to come into the presence of God. He's talking about those that need to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There is a harvest out there for us, church, to be harvested. God has given us the opportunity to be harvesters, to be sowers, and to be co-laborers with God. It's up to us to do just that. Be a part of the labor that God has placed you in. I do want to something for you. I believe that there is, there, are, there is only one way that you can get in on these blessings that God has for the church and for the children. First off, first off, I do believe the first thing you have to do is you have to be born again. In order to receive the blessings of God, you have to be born again. Jesus said in chapter 14 of John, told Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to him by night, because Nicodemus was afraid of those that he, that he worked with, that he associated with. But Jesus, there was something about Jesus that Nicodemus knew there was something different about him. And Jesus just plainly tells Nicodemus, he says, Nicodemus, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to be born again. Nicodemus is not understanding completely what Jesus means. How, how do you mean I have to be born again? Can a man go back in to his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, How can you be of a spiritual mind and not understand the spiritual things that I'm talking to you about? Jesus said, You must be born again in the spirit. So the first thing that you have to do, you have to be born again. You have to admit that you are a sinner. You have to believe that Jesus died for you and for your sins. And then you have to confess that you need a Savior. And then the next thing I think that we need to be doing is we need to start living for God and giving unto Him of our time, our talents, and our treasures. Does God need all those things? Well, those are things that are needed. The scripture makes it clear that they are needed in order to qualify. God blesses us that we might be a blessing to others. If you think that God is blessing you, but you can hold it up, you're no different than the man the Bible talks about that said that he had much built up. I build bigger barns that way I can store all that I have. God blesses you that you might bless others. God gives to you that you might give to others. I read this quote by Adrian Rogers this past week, and he put it like this. He said, if you need encouragement, give it. If you need love, give it. Whatever you need, give it away. Give it back away. Don't hold on to it. God always has a way of blessing you in ways that you never thought so you must be faithful to him, and I guarantee you that God will be faithful to come through for you. I was thinking about this this past week. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. I thank God that I had Christian parents. I thank God that I had Christian parents also that were obedient to his word and kept his doctrine. I don't really remember a time that my parents took it they I can also remember the fact that my wife had gotten so bad sick that they didn't know me. I had been left to be the one in charge of the finances, but my third 
We pray God's blessings upon you as you worship with us today. If God has led you to make a decision today for Jesus, we would love to hear about it. We invite you to come to our website, 
cometothecross.net. Our online decision card will allow you to tell us about the decision that you're making. All decisions, all contacts are kept private and are confidential. However, we would be able to pray for you and perhaps I'd even be able to call you and pray with you about what God has led you to do if you so desire. So fill out the form, let us know, and just know that we love you and God loves you. And we're excited that you're taking this first step for God today.